Hello, I'm Enrique Serna, and welcome to the KCTS 9 Digital Studios Podcast. I stand before you today with sincere appreciation for the opportunity I have to represent our community in the state's largest city as the first Latina sworn into the Seattle City Council. That was Seattle City Council member Lorena Gonzalez on November 24th, 2015 at her swearing-in ceremony in the Seattle City Council chambers as she made history, or as she might say, her story. In Washington State, 2015 is a big year for Latinas in Seattle, Renton, Wenatchee, and Yakima. Seven Latinas were elected to city councils in those cities for the very first time. Three of those seven were elected in Yakima, where a federal court ruling changed the city's election system to a district system, allowing for an increase in Latino candidates in a city where the Latino population is more than 40 percent. Here in Seattle, Lorena Gonzalez is already on the job representing position nine, and I'm pleased to have her join me to talk about her election and much more. Well, congratulations. Thank you, Enrique. That's, uh, you gotta be, um, has it hit you, I guess. I mean, you've been <laughs> on the job already. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, been uh, about a week and a half now, and uh, it. I have to say that there are moments where uh, I'm in chambers and it really hits me. And then there are moments where I feel like I'm an, walking in a little bit of a dream. So it's a it's a combination. And I think it's a good thing that it's a combination of feeling uh, real and not so real. I think it reminds me about how how important this moment is. Take me back to uh, swearing in day. I know you have family and friends. You had a lot of supporters there. Yeah. But as you're going through that process mm -hmm. and realizing that this has actually happened. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the day was an, in, was an interesting day. I sort of spent all day with my family for the most part, uh, doing media interviews and whatnot, and really talking a lot about how that day was was important, not just for me, but for the people of Seattle and, and my family and the community. And, um, you know, I think I think it it was I think it really hit me when we got the keys to the office <laughs> and uh, and I got to bring in my entire family um, into you know, the belly of City Hall. And we sat in my office and um, took pictures and took a selfie as a family. And uh, and it was just, you know, there was a moment where we were just all really quiet and just thinking about how um, how far we've all really come to be to where we're at. So it was it was an emotional day. It was a it was, you know, everything from being really happy to um, to just also feeling the, the burden of the responsibility. So you're on the job now. Yeah, on the job. Having fun yet? Absolutely. Uh, already had an opportunity to sit in on three council meetings uh, in chambers and then sat in a full council meeting and cast uh, the first of many votes on, on legislation. So it's a, it's a really interesting job so far. So no regrets. Well, let's step back. Why did you decide to run for office? I think in a, I think in a lot of ways, I feel like my journey was was really uh, preparing me for public service and uh, everything from you know growing up as a migrant farm worker, 
having to endure social injustices to then being on the opposite side of the table where I'm representing people as an attorney, as a civil rights attorney, who were you know, representing people who were experiencing injustices. And, and you know, I think I made the decision that I wanted to commit myself to public service um, probably long before I was really aware of it. And, and, and I think, you know, I wanted to run for city council because I've always had that commitment to wanting to represent the underrepresented and to really uh, be in a position where where I could recognize a social injustice and be in a position to, to, to effectuate change and to address that and to give voice to people who haven't, who don't have a voice. And, and, and that's what I, what I hope to be able to do now that I'm in this position, thanks to the voters of Seattle. You know, before you took the, uh, the big step to run for office, as you mentioned, you were, you represented, um, people in, in the community, you you were a partner in mm -hmm. a major law firm here mm -hmm. in town. You were also a legal counsel to the mayor of Seattle. Mm -hmm. Was Were you kind of getting yourself ready at that mm -hmm. point to run? Or had you even thought about that? You know, I think when I was still practicing full-time as a partner at, at my law firm here, um, I was really just, I, I don't think that it was a, I, I don't think that that was what I was thinking about doing, about leaving and going into elected office. But but the work that I did uh, as a lawyer and then the work I did as the mayor's legal counsel, I think, was was all very much in preparation for um, me to be able to to step into the role of city council member. And I'm really grateful to have had the opportunity to represent the clients that I did and sort of understand those community concerns from a very um, deep level uh, to then, you, you know, actually working on policy issues that are really important for the entire city for a year while I was at the mayor's office. And all of that has, I think, um, prepared me really well to hit the ground running now as a as as a council member and that's exactly what we're doing you know you also when you were at the law firm you represented a, a young mexican-american man mm -hmm. who had been uh, in a situation where he'd been roughed up by mm -hmm. a seattle police officer was caught on video mm -hmm. and that also then led to really some major changes not only that case mm -hmm. but eventually went to the u.s attorney's office and i believe jenny durkin picked up a lot of that information which right. then lent to the had a, had a big input into the consent decree here right. in the seattle police department right. um was that a major turning point for you in, in... I, I think it i think it was i mean i think I think my, um, you know, having grown up in in Grandview, Washington, and in, in Central Washington, which you know, I know, I know you're familiar with yeah. that neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, you don't get ex you don't get exposed to democratic processes, right? And when I live, when I first came, to, when I first became a lawyer here in Seattle in 2005, and I had an opportunity in 2007 to serve on a police accountability review panel that was created by then Mayor Greg Nichols and was appointed to that community representative body to really dig into police reform, police accountability issues and community concerns around those issues um, at that period of time. And, and, there were, and there were some really highly controversial uh, cases that were around back then that led to the creation of that commission. 
And I think that that's that's when I I started to really uh, put together in my own mind the power of what local government could do for um, communities that I really cared for, that I had been advocating for for a long time. And I think that 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 really helped to establish me within my own community, within the broader community, as somebody who really understands police accountability um, issues. And it's and I think it that's what led to my ability to be able to represent uh, this client, Martin Monetis, in in the way that I was able to represent him. And it, it was a turning point, I think, in my career and. Um, but it was also a turning point in the way that the community began to engage around these issues as well and mobilize around these issues. And so I was really proud to have been able to work on that case and to have um, found and discovered a lot of evidence that would then be helpful to the Department of Justice um, or go to the community to be able to really advance some concrete reforms for the Seattle Police Department. And I was really, really, uh, really felt like I added value, um, not just to the case, but to to the community and to the cause as a result of that work that then fueled, continued to fuel my desire to want to, um, to, to really meaningfully engage in public service. Let's step back. Let's go back to the Valley. Um, both you and I have grown up in the Yakima mm-hmm. Valley in central Washington. Um, Talk about Lorena Gonzalez and that family experience of growing up as a farm worker kid and the challenges. Growing up in uh, central Washington um, state, but, you know, in the Yakima Valley in particular, it's a it's a it's tough business, right? Like uh, you, you grow up, you grow up in a school district where 80 to 90 percent of the students, including yourself, are on free and reduced lunch. So, you know, that immediately that means that there's an incredible amount of poverty um, in that community. You, you know, you're, you're growing up around an area that has a lot of economic depressions and not a lot of jobs, and um, at least at least not ones that are outside of the field. And that's, 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 what, that's what we did as a family. I had three brothers, two sisters, um, and, uh, you know, all six of us and my parents, we we knew that we had to work hard every day. And for us, that meant during the school year, waking up three hours before um, school started and working for three hours in the fields, cutting asparagus or, um, or you know, picking cherries, the early, early crop of cherries or, um, or being out picking apples in the, in the early fall, um, you know, for three hours before school even started. And, and then going to school all day, and then you know if if the family was still out in the fields finishing up, then going out into the fields afterwards to 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 finish the work that was started that morning, and um, and all of that was really hard work. But at the end of the day, I think it um, it made us all stronger. It gave us work ethic. It helped us appreciate the value of opportunity and to be able to recognize when you do have opportunity. And so, um, so you know, growing up as a migrant farm worker, it had its challenges, <laughs> um, but, but it also just fundamentally shaped who I am. And those, those challenges um, were, as you know, difficult, but, but, but ones that 
really do give you character and an understanding of what it means to work really hard. And I know that in the city of Seattle, even though we're in an urban setting, there are families in our community who are working just as hard to make ends meet in our city. And I, I empathize with that because I see my own uh, childhood struggle with, with poverty and with overcoming lack of opportunity. I think it was in your swearing in that you talked a bit about, uh, I think, being told at one point that you weren't college material. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, you know, my parents didn't go to college. My mom and dad both taught themselves how to read, write, and do math. Um, I think between both my parents, they had maybe four, four weeks of formal education in Mexico, in rural Mexico. And... My, I only had one sibling who actually went to college, and she had, was just starting her her college studies. And when, and I had I remember asking her, "Hey, what do I need to do to go to college?" And she said, "You should." My sister said, "You should go and talk to your high school counsel to the high school counselor and ask her to tell you how, what you need to do." This was my junior year in high school, so I'm already probably I learned later on. I was already behind the ball, right? I was already a little yeah, little behind little, little, in that regard. Yeah. So I went in and I talked to my high school counselor about, hey, you know, I want to go to college. How do I do that? And her response to me was, people like you don't go to college. And, um, and you know, and, and, and in the moment, I, I felt incredibly um, sad and discouraged, but I also knew that I couldn't be defeated. And uh, and and really persisted, and you know was able to get her to at least point me in the direction of a bunch of generic college brochures, information brochures that I could get more information from. So was able to sort of figure out how to get through the system without without her help, and certainly without her encouragement. <laughs> Did that make you angry? Um. You know, I think in the moment it didn't make me angry because this was par for the course. This was, I wasn't the only one she had said that to. Um, and it, it, at that point in my life, I was in a, I, I didn't know any better. I didn't, I didn't know that, that that was a unique response to an inquiry about whether or not you go to college. Um, I was, re I really fundamentally believed that this is just the way the world worked. That people like me probably really actually didn't go to college. So it wasn't until I got to college um, uh, over at Washington State University and met other people who were like me in college that I realized that that is a unique experience. That 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 not every child is told that people that they don't that people like them don't go to college um so i you know i think it wasn't until later until i got older until i'm sitting here now having to repeat these that memory that it makes me it makes me angry but was it a motivator it was a i think it was a i think it's been a motivator for me since then um it's been a motivator not not just a self motivator, but I think it's been a motivator to uh, be a mentor and to reach out to other young um, kids, particularly 
low-income kids, kids of color, immigrant kids, to make sure that 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 they're hearing a different voice and that that voice is a, a lot more like their voice and 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 is a lot closer to their story than than what a guidance counselor's voice might be. Who inspired you? Oh my gosh. It's hard to find, it's hard to identify one person who inspired me, but I have to say that at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, it's, it, it's, it was my mom who, who really, you know, was the kind of woman who, um, she didn't have a lot of formal education, uh, but she had uh, a level of grace and class that you would probably see out of somebody who went to boarding school all their life. <laughs> she, she's, uh, she always taught us about integrity and um, value of self and... Um, and, 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 you know, just a deep value of family and friends and community and, um, and had a, and, and, and just a, a great amount of humility. And so she embodies a lot of courage and strength and resiliency that I, um, I aspire to, uh, every day. And so I think she's, she's been, she, she's been a tremendous, uh, inspiration for me and, um, you know, hope every day that I, that I am making her, making her really proud. When you, uh, jumped into the campaign to run as you were running and knocking on doors and all that stuff, did you ever think, what the hell am I doing? What am I thinking about doing this? Did you ever have those days? <laughs> You know, there were there were days when when you know it's it was uh, ninety five degrees in the middle of July in Seattle, and I'm thinking it is so hot. All I want to <laughs> do is go home. Um, but it's you know, yeah, sure. There are, there are days when you get get a few doors slammed in your face because people don't want to talk to you, or um, you know, a few days when you're just really exhausted because you've been running for fourteen or fifteen hours, and um, but but I, ne- I never regretted the decision to run for this position um, because I knew this, the stakes were high, that, you know, this, the, the, the challenges, the sort of work to get there was hard. But the, the reward of being able to serve the people of Seattle was far greater. And, um, and I, I, I really worked as hard as I did because I, I, I believe that the issues that the city faces are ones that are really, um, really important. And I felt that the the skills that I could bring and the perspective that I could bring to solving those those issues, it was well worth all of the the sweat and the and the hard work to make sure that that uh, that I made it through to the end. So, did it mean much to you or? a lot to you, knowing that if you were elected that you would be the first Latina? Yeah, I mean, I think when I, when I, when I decided to run, I didn't decide to run because, oh, I want to be the first Latina um, on Seattle City Council, but it, it did mean, but it certainly fueled my desire to want to run. Um, 
you know, I think that when we look at government entities and especially when we're looking at local government, it's really important for that local government to reflect the community that it seeks to serve. And um, and so for me, it was it, it was it was unfortunate that the city of Seattle um, in its in its over 100 year history had not had representation from anybody in the Latino community. And, and so so it was important for me to be able to um, break that glass ceiling and to be able to finally have um, somebody from the Latino community serve on on Seattle City Council and, and really and really be a voice for that underrepresented community along with other underrepresented communities. As I mentioned, there were um, seven around the state mm -hmm. that uh, elected in 2015 for the first time. Um, and uh, and really in Yakima, it took a court case to yeah. give an opportunity, yet three Latinas were able to uh, break through the threshold there. Um, it, what does that mean, being a part of all of that? Yeah. Because this, uh, it, I guess what, what shocks me is that it's taken so long. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 2015, and it's the first time in the history of the state that we have seven of us yeah. uh, all Latinas, all women. Yeah. We're uh, the guys. We, we, I don't know. No guys in this. We got to get our act we'll, together. We'll, we'll, we'll work on that. Um, uh, it's it, it's a it's a big it's a big it's a big deal. And when I when I when you put this moment in the context of what's happening nationally in politics and in uh, in in the rising American electorate. I, I think what we see happening in Washington State, what we saw happen through this election in Washington State, is is uh, it resonates with what we see happening at the national level, right? At the national level, we see um, a, a national presidential election really centered around um, women's rights and and also centered around comprehensive immigration reform and and solving a national issue that is absolutely critical to the economy and the vibrancy continued you know benefit to the continued vibrancy of this country and immigration is a key immigration reform is a key to making sure that we have continue to have good economic policy in our in our country and um and it, it's and i think that when we see um you know presidential candidates like donald trump really um talking very very negatively and hatefully towards immigrant populations um, it's it's it brings into focus even at a local level the importance of having a truly representative democracy and and I and to me I think I hope that's what that's what the voters were thinking when um, when they elected me and when they elected the six other Latinas across across the state so you're on the job now. What's what's the focus for you? What's the main focus? Mm -hmm. Who, what's your passion about what you want to change? What you want to do? <laughs> yeah, I think you know. I think there's a there's a there's a lot of issues that confront the city. I think the things that really um, excite me about uh, about the next couple of years. My term will be two years. Is 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 working on on issues around. Um, uh, women and children, making sure that our, that our city is a place where 
uh, working women, women with children, and children have um, full opportunity in in our city to to really succeed. Um, you know, issues around worker rights are things that are very very important to me. Just given my my background as uh, having. Uh, worked as a minimum wage worker myself for so many, so many years um, until I became a lawyer. And then um, and then, you know, police accountability issues will continue to be really important to me and and will continue to be a focus. We have right now we have um, uh, uh, we're still waiting to see some police reform legislation come through City Hall. It's been slowed down as a result of the consent decree process in the federal court. And so um, you know, there's going to be a significant amount of work that is going to be needed to make sure that that we deliver on police accountability with a, with the sense of urgency that I think the community deserves. You know, this is a city that is just growing like mad, mm-hmm. and it's almost overwhelming at mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Does that concern you? You know, I think that when we talk about the city's growth, we we in a lot of ways are very lucky that we're not in the same situation as a city like Detroit, who is experiencing an incredible amount of uh, uh, economic, um, you know, depression and recession, right? They have the opposite problem that we have. And currently our city has a 3% unemployment rate, which is remarkably good relative to any other metropolitan city um, uh, like, like ours. But I think what what concerns me about growth isn't isn't so much the changing the changing skyline. What is what is concerning to me is is the increasing lack of affordability and and what that means for the growing wealth gap um, between communities of color and um, and women, frankly, and uh, and and the white population within our city. We see that the wealth gap is growing. It's leading to a greater amount of income inequity in our city. And that is resulting in increased homelessness, in displacement, in gentrification. Um, you know, there's a, there's, there's a report that just came out earlier this year that said that the central area will in five years be, um, be 10%. African American. I mean, this is a this is a neighborhood in our community that was overwhelmingly uh, majority African American, and and we are finding that those communities no longer have a place to live in our city because of this growing crisis around an income inequity. And I think that we need to make sure that as we grow and as we continue to have economic prosperity, that we have an agenda where it is truly rooted in shared prosperity for everybody and that we're not displacing communities um, who have historically lived here from from continuing to live here. Yeah, gentrification is definitely the uh, big concern here. It's a, it's a huge concern and obviously affordability and um, making sure that we grow in a way that doesn't contribute to gentrification um, is is going to be the the major issue for this city council in the next next two to five years. So you're in office in position nine, and this is was it a citywide? It is a citywide okay, position. Okay, so you you have to run again in two years. So, I do. Yeah. So do you feel a sense of urgency that you need to get certain things done in that amount of time? 
should you run again? <laughs> yeah, no, of course. I mean, I think I think even if I wasn't, I, I have the kind of personality that even if I wasn't running again in two years, I would feel a sense of urgency because that's just that's just the kind of uh, work ethic personality that I have. But but sure, I mean, I want to make sure that in in two years when the voters have a decision to vote again, that they um, that they they feel that I have delivered on 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 the promises and commitments that I made to them. I know you just got here in this position yeah. as, a, in a, as a politician now, as a city <laughs> council member. Um, do you have any aspirations or you thought about other other positions, higher office? I, I mean, I think, uh, I th- it's, you know, no surprise, it's a question I get, I get a lot, but it's, I think, you know, obviously right now, as you said, I, I think this, I want to really excel at this position and do do really well in this position. Um, and I will I will always look for an opportunity, any kind of I will always look for opportunities to be, to better serve um, to serve the community. And I hope I have the opportunity to continue doing that as a Seattle City Council member. And if an opportunity opens up down the road for higher office, then I'm going to make that decision when it presents itself. That's uh, doors open possibly. <laughs> doors open possibly. <laughs> well, you know, if there's one thing that I have learned growing up in uh, the way that I did is that you never shut the door to opportunities. So, um, but right now I'm really, really happy to be in this position and um, really humbled and really grateful. Lorena Gonzalez, thank you so much for your time. And this has been the KCTS 9 Digital Studios podcast. I'm Enrique Serna. We'll talk more next time. Thank you. Thank you.